welcome to the So Wizards podcast. I'm Kevin Broom, along with my co-host, Ron Oaks Cunningham. And we are coming to you, we're recording this uh, in the middle of NBA All-Star Weekend. And what, I guess the dunk contest and three-point contest and the skills contest were last night. And tonight, the uh, Team LeBron versus Team Durant play. And um, last night, what did you think of last night before we get into Wizards stuff? Because, you know, with Wizards... So um, that of course we're going to be talking about non all star yeah. stuff in our podcast. I'm happy Davis wasn't in the three point shooting contest because um, I feel like that's something he can win. Do they let thirty percent shooters into the three point contest? No, I don't think so. But I'm happy he wasn't because, like you know, um, and it's funny because I, I actually said this uh, during basketball, like a hoop session yesterday. I was like, there. I didn't say the shooting part. I'll, I'll give you this version than what I say yesterday, but they are real shooters. And then there are practice shooters. Davis is a practice shooter. He would have done well in that competition. Mm-hmm. As for what I told the dude yesterday, it was that. like, go ahead, go ahead. There are real hoopers and hoopers who only could do stuff with a screen. That's what I told him. But anyway, I digress. Um, Yeah. I think Davis would have been well as for the dunk contest, man. I saw a dude from New York put on Tim's to try a dunk. If I'm Orlando, I'm fine. him. Your ankle, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I get it, you know. I, it was just more cool. Just put your dad's jersey on, that's like some dope stuff, right? Like, there are now lineage of players who could point back to, Yeah, my father was in the NBA, like, I'm now in the NBA. That's cool, that's a great notion. But Timberland boots, man, I, yeah. I digress. But that's some New York stuff, I suppose. Yeah, um, otherwise. Yeah, it was. I, mean, I wasn't thrilled with that particular dunk, and I, I didn't really know why Cole Anthony was in the dunk contest yeah. at all. I did like the jersey, you know, putting on his dad's jersey. Yeah. That was cool. Um, but otherwise, man. everything yesterday was mid because, like, now Cat, I'm I'm a huge Dirk Nowitzki fan. Like, I love Dirk, one of my top players of all time. Um, my first NBA Finals, I went down to Dallas to see him play when they won Game Five. Um, so I, I love Dirk that much. And like now I, I, I hate the dunk like this past Saturday because now Carl um, Anthony Towns is going to get louder with that. I'm the best big man shooter ever, bro. You're not Dirk, bro. You're not. And, like, and, and Cat's nice. Don't get me wrong. But you have to deal with that. Um, and that's for the dunk contest. It was mid, so mid that like we started falling asleep. Yeah. So for me. I mean, I liked the, you know, Obi Toppin's dunks, you know, the, that one, put it between his legs. So there were some good dunks there. But like you say, it wasn't – the dunk contest was not as exciting as some of the previous ones were. Like, I mean, you, you go back a few years. One of my favorite ones was was one where a wizard was actually in it, and he got completely robbed. That was JaVale yeah, McGee. JaVale McGee. Yeah, when he dunked two basketballs. Two baskets. At this, oh, my God. And when he dunked three basketballs, it's like. Two he, basketballs. Yeah. So And he didn't win. He didn't win. So, yeah, anyway, yeah. That, that was infuriating. But I did yeah. love – one. the thing I loved most, I think, was probably the skills contest. That that I had no idea what was happening on the screen, but it was crazy entertaining. Like they, they're doing this whole dance on that passing thing and they're going back and forth. And the scoring system, what, 100 points for something and you know zero points for everybody else. It's like, what? There's nothing about that that made any sense, but it was entertaining. They, and I like that. They added that for you. Um, 
they added that for you analytical fellas. That's what they put that in there. None yeah. of that shit, none of that stuff translates to skills. I miss the old competition. Consider me a, a conservative or something. Bring it back. However, I love the new Rising Stars chat, like setup. And if we're going to have multiple teams play for a title, like at least include all of the rookies. Like if you log the single minute in the NBA, your rookie and sophomore year, have them in it. Because let, let's be honest, first of all, it's not a deep class. It's not like, you know, you may be 60 picks, but only 20 or so actually will make it. Mm-hmm. Like, have them in there because the world deserved to see Denny Avdia, like, lock someone up, throw up the X, get yeah. more, like, no, it, it's cool. because no, no, I, I, I agree. In fact, maybe I wasn't going to go into this today, but I would love to see them do some scheduling changes, um, you know, change the season a little bit. To, to do a little bit more of that kind of stuff, like having a 58 game season and then making up the, the rest of the games with like in-season tournaments where you have like a, you know, a one and done tournament, like basically a, a, like an NCAA style tournament where everybody gets a, you have play-ins for the, the you know, to get to your seeds and then you, you do that. And then um, I would have, you know, I would love to see them do like a, you know, an under 23 tournament where, you know, teams like just that. have their, their young guys playing um, in games and, and have this stuff count for something. Right. Yeah. Under 23, you have, a, we, we can agree on that. Um, one game stuff. Nah, like college basketball sucks. Like it allows you to play one game. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, I, I agree with that. The college basketball it, it sucks and it's not that much like top level talent. Like one guy, like one guy can do damage in college, but very rarely is he, you know, he could beat a team of five seniors who, you know, some of them are on their seventh year, even though they are senior. It is tough that way. Um, hence why uh, even, every time I challenge someone one-on-one or someone challenges me one-on-one, it's like, okay, best of five or best of seven. Because in basketball, we know how fickle it can go. Like I can hit, 12 threes in a row, one game, boom, this dude thinks he's in hell, then miss like the next 40. And, you know, you have players who can get hot, players who are slow starters. And I, I feel like with a five or seven game series, you leave no doubt. So right. if any tournament happens, maybe three, make it, maybe make it a best of three. But nah, one and done. With a one and done. So basically you can get it done in a week. Okay. And because, and then, you know, the NBA basically, and, and, so that you're playing basically everybody plays every other game. You have some like loser brackets as well. So, yeah. playing, you know, everybody gets more game, more than one game, but the one and done basically is that to, to win you advance, right? You win and you advance and you move up and just, to, just for the fun of it, just for the randomness of it. And not, it's not, you still have your championship at the end of the year. You still have your you know seven game series and all that kind of stuff to determine who is the, the real champion for the year. But these in season tournaments are, basically to shuffle the format, um, you know, to, to shuffle the format. Now, fair consider some stuff like, you know, it would be fun to see NBA teams have like a three-on-three tournament where, you know, each team picks five guys and, you know, your coach and, and you play a three-on-three half court. That would be, I mean, it could be fun. Well, it will be fun, but then like we're, we're going to be brawling again because, I mean, every time I've seen three-on-three tournaments, one-on-one tournaments, two-on-two tournament, stuff gets heated way more so than five-on-five. So you got to, like, 
Hold on, hear me out with this. So okay, you're taking, that. you're taking like the the biggest outside of rings and make like championships and stuff like that. The the next biggest title is, can you beat me one on one? Like like people put stock on that into that. Like, are you a great one on one player? Instead of like, uh, I guess like beautifying a game and making us tune in more, it's gonna get ugly. Like think of that. Think of this situ- scenario. Final game. It's seven seven, two of the top dogs in the NBA going at each other one on one. We're gonna have hard fouls. We're something's gonna go awry. That's just me, and that's just based well, off. That leads of me to another thing is that I would love for there to be one on one tournaments as well. Um, whether it's by team, you know, and you have your finals uh, at uh, at at the All Star, you know, all, during All Star weekend, something like that. I'm just saying, to me, there's just a lot of room to have some fun and and the skills competition last night was crazy and it was just fun i had fun watching it and uh so so that was good and i I, you know it doesn't hurt try something and if it doesn't work try something different i know but like well we're we're really going down a rabbit hole on this one but i i have to i have to say well the only reason we have to switch things up is because people are becoming bored with the game and like, why is that? Like the the first reason is there are too many games, like 82 game season, too many players don't want to play that much. Well, okay, we'll concede that. All right. It's been 82 games, at least as long as I remember. The only thing I remember differently growing up was I believe the playoffs, the first round was five games, and then everything else was seven. So yeah. it, years and years ago it was three. You know, okay, so maybe three. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I wasn't. So I came that next way when you all made it five and then seven on out. So you know, that's as far back as I go. But it, the bigger thing is, is like, why is it not entertaining? Like we have players who are more skilled than ever. It's because everyone's playing the same way. Everyone's doing mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah, that, that's just me. That's yeah, just that me. part of it I don't agree with, um, but. The teams are playing the same way. I think there's more variety now than there used to be. Um, where I think it, that, that what's happened is the, the game itself is as entertaining as ever. And I don't think it's really that there are too many games. It's that there are too many games on TV. Um, okay. Basically, you can watch yeah. every single game. And so there's it's like if I miss the Wizards on Monday, if I'm a casual fan or just like a, you know, a, a fan of the team, right, I'm interested in them. I miss them on Monday. I can catch them on Wednesday. And then if I miss them Wednesday, I know they're going to be playing Friday. And if not, then well, whatever. I know that they're going to be playing on Saturday or sets. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and then if you miss all of those games, it's like, well, I can still get on ESPN and I can watch, you know, the Lakers play Boston for the 17th million time. Right. So there's always like that one more thing that you can do to so I think it would be great. Like, and I think the NFL is actually going the wrong direction with this because the NFL used to have basically they owned Sunday, right? Games were always Sunday and then they owned Monday. So they had Sunday, Sunday, and then, you know, Monday night. Right. And they owned those nights and now they've had Thursday and Sunday night, and, you know, they're trying to expand and take over more. But the thing is, is that, what they what the NFL successfully did is they made every game special. Every every time you saw your favorite team play, you could only see them once a week, right? Yeah. And every one of those games became an event. And with um, basketball, with the NBA, with 82 games, all of them on TV, 
all of them, you know, part of your bait local, you know, basic channel is it's, it's not any never, it's yeah. rare when you have a special event during the regular season, right? Mm. And so one solution to that would be potentially to take games off of TV, which nobody wants to do because they, they get all of the advertising dollars. The other thing would be to now to simply cut the game, cut the number of regular season games to make them more special. And then the other thing would be to create some more entertaining formats to you know create different different places. But the other thing is if you cut the number of games that are on the schedule, you cut it to a 58 game regular season, for example, is that now you can control the schedule more. And so instead of playing, you know, Monday night, Tuesday night, Saturday, right. Now you can own the games, own the nights. You can have, you know, big time national games. You can schedule for like Tuesday night, right. Or Wednesday night or whatever, but then you can have everybody play like, you know, half the league plays Thursday, half the league plays Friday, half the league plays Saturday, half the league plays Sunday. And then you have a few special games that come out on like during the week, but you own like a certain number of days. And if you're a fan of a team, you know, if I'm a fan of the Wizards, I know that I can catch them on Friday or I can catch them on Sunday and then that's it for the week, you know? Yeah. Something like that. Last last point on that before we dive into the Wizards. Um, I think uh, Derek Fisher had a great idea to solve it as well. It's just a, you know, it's a controversial C word, contraction. So, like, <laughs> hey, just saying, just saying. You, but so, then, it, you, you know, it'll be an all-star game every game. Um, yeah, I can, I mean, I can actually see the sort of the, the, the sense of that. Um, I don't think that's necessary, but anyway. Um, Fair enough. I'm just that's Derek Fisher's thought. That's not mine. That was when he was the uh, because I, I've lived through two two lockouts now, but of age only during one. Um, the previous lockout when when it began on Christmas, and I remember um, learning about contraction because Derek Fisher was in favor for it. So yeah. Well, I don't know. Derek Fisher's. I'm not sure that's one of his better ideas, but uh, anyway. So moving on, let's talk about the Wizards. And what we wanted to talk about today was basically what happens over their last 24 games. So, like, you know, what are you expecting? What do you hope will happen? What do you think will happen? Okay, I'll go hope, expect, think in that order. Okay, what I hope happens, I hope we make the playoffs. Hmm. I know everyone's Ty Ty Washington, Chad, what's tankful about? I get it. That's the way you get better talent in the door, right? But I'd rather compete. I'd rather <laughs> compete. I'd rather, like, fight. I love playoff basketball. It's like, you'll be surprised how many basketball fans have ne- never attended a playoff, um, a playoff game. That atmosphere is crazy. You say even more delusional stuff when the air of the playoffs is, you know, you're breathing that in. So, um, yeah, I hope they make the playoffs. And here's why I think um, what a hope isn't just baseless. Like I saw recently, we have the easiest schedule remaining. Um, so similar to last year, we're about to go on that run. Uh, we have an easy schedule remaining. Two, got rid of the vets. We got rid of some of the locker room, you know, we got rid of dudes who jewelry and fashion was becoming a staple of the team instead of the collectiveness of the team, you know. We got rid of uh, the point guard, I guess, no one really liked or, or grew accustomed to. I, I, I digress. But so we have, we have the, the atmosphere to do it. 
we have a we have a talent coming in that well you know they call him the unicorn for a reason he's special and I recall the days him and Joel and B going at it you know going at it hard back to back making good plays on each other perhaps KP can get at that level for I think you've made this joke the 50 or so games he's healthy like so <laughs> Like, you know, like, so whatever games he plays out of this, uh, what do we have, 22 remaining? 24. 24 remaining, so let's let's give him what, 15? Right. He'll get 15 of them in, perhaps? Well, I might have that wrong. <laughs> so, um, where is it? Prediction machine. So what, they're 27 and 31. Yeah, they got 24. Okay. So KP may play, I'm hoping he plays about 18, but he may get 14 of those games in. Okay, a couple more wins. Um, so that's what that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for the playoffs. Um, All right, hold on. Before you, before you move on to the next one, let me just jump in because I had a couple of thoughts. So first, the playoff atmosphere, that's such a good point. Um, when the Wizards were in the midst of one of their long droughts, uh, my brother and I went up to Philly and we, we bought tickets, center court, upper deck um, for Philadelphia versus Boston playoff game. And Jalen Brown? No, no, no. This was this was back in the day. This was Allen oh, okay. Iverson. Uh, Dikembe Mutombo was on that team. It was the, it was. I don't think it was the year they went to the finals, but I think it was the year after they went to the finals. Okay. But, um, they had Iverson. They had, uh, and then on Boston side of things, they had um, Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. Okay. And that the Boston sucks. Chance were were happening before tip, right? I mean, there were. Um, Family, you know, I know this is a family podcast and everything, but there were fuck the Celtics chants going on before again during Boston comes out for warm-ups. They're coming out doing their layoffs, and you've got the whole stadium is chanting fuck the Celtics, right? Yeah. So yeah. the atmosphere was nuts. It was just so electric and so alive in there that it was unbelievable. And you know, we had we had been going to Wizards games on season pass. I mean, you know, with season tickets, we had season tickets to those and we were going there and the place was just dead. It was, it was a mausoleum in comparison, you know, and, you know, I was there of course, during Jordan's years when things did get kind of exciting in, in the arena, this place was much, much more lively, even than the Jordan times. And then, you know, Iverson made some huge plays at the end and the place just went nuts. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I've and I, I will say I've experienced much the same thing with uh, Wizards basketball, Bullets basketball, because um, my again my brother and I we bought tickets going. This was in 1988, and this was the the Daryl Walker, Jeff Malone, Moses Malone, um, Manute was on that team. Okay, they played. Um, I was basically I had seats that were eye level with Manute Bull. That's how close we were to the to the floor. Okay. And, uh, and uh, they played this. The, the, they played the Detroit Pistons, and they beat the Pistons in Game Four of a five-game first-round series. And that was the Pistons with Isaiah Thomas and Bill Laimbeer. Dennis Rodman was on that team. Um, Joe, I don't think, I think Dumars was on that team. He might have come. Dumars might have been a year or two later that he got there. But they they had a heck of a good team, and that that was the team that was like going to eventually like a year later. To, they, they won back-to-back championships, right? They started winning championships. That was a quality team. And the, the, the Bullets beat them. Um, yeah. You know, Bernard King had a, like a late steal and a, a layup and stuff. That place got loud. Wes Unseld was the coach 
Uh, it, it was so playoff atmosphere is for real, right? The playoff atmosphere is for real. Um, yeah. So anyway, one other point that I wanted to make, and that is about the schedule. I know, like, easiest schedule in the league, right? Just to put some perspective in that, it's one. It's already get gotten harder because they played a couple of the easier teams, right? So the, the easiest schedule that they have is so far this season. Their opponents have been about two tenths of a point better than average. Uh, I actually have a have a number of those. So two two tenths of a point better than average, um, which is equivalent to about a forty two win team, almost right forty one and a half. So the rest of the way they're playing a team on average. Their average opponent is six tenths of a point worse than average. So that's like a thirty nine win team. So it's not like the, the the schedule gets weak. And especially when you consider the Wizards are about two and a half, two point six points per game worse than average so far this season. Yeah. So it's they're still worse than their average opponent is by uh, what two points per game. So that's um, doesn't bode particularly well for their uh, ability. Playoffs? Now I don't know, man. We're what one game out of that playing? Oh, we're not making it top six seed. We're we're gonna have to earn our way in like last year. I'm just hoping you know we can we we can beat. I feel we can be everyone in the playing bracket except for Brooklyn. I expect Brooklyn to move up, Boston to come down. Yeah, um, yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, last year the Wizards did get to eight. So yeah, I'm we saying, could we, have done in even without the plan. So yeah. No, we we could have no, we could have lost if we would have lost to um, if we would have lost Indiana, we would have went home. I'm saying I think we no, could no, make. No, 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 I, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is that that they the Wizards had. Um, it, under the old system, before they had play-in. Oh, yeah, they would have gotten in. Yeah. They, they would have been in. They okay. would have a playoff. Yeah. Okay, got you. So, yeah, so that's what I hope for to recap that. It's like a playoff via, by way of the play-in. We're not going to get top six. Um, so, playoffs by way of that. Um, and why? Because that atmosphere, the, the belief, the fun, the fun of it. That's what I hope for. What I'm expecting is to middle out to, you know, win one game, lose three, win two games, lose four, have that time, kind of topsy-turvy end into the season. And um, I expect within that for younger players to play more. I think I read today Anthony Gill is up over 20 minutes per game uh, in the last five games. I'm loving that. Like, now let's see Rui and Denny get upper 30s. You know, KCP, cool, you did your part. Brad, you probably will be on the team next year with Brad. Otherwise, because your contract will be, you know, a tradable asset next season. Take the take it all. You know, you, your lovely wife, your kids, go have fun. Thank you. You are, you can stay next year, but we need to give those minutes to someone else. Um, that's what I'm expecting to happen. I'm expecting to see a dialing back of like um, everyone who who was on the team at the beginning of the roster. Their minutes, except for Denny, Rui, Gill, and likely Kuzma. I think Kuzma will continue to play like high numbers and be the focal point of offense. And I'll get into that, my reasons for why on that a little bit later. But getting to what I think will happen, I think, I think honestly, I think we play KP. We win games that we should have lost. We we end up still outside of the play-in. And because we did the before, the everything I just listed before, 
uh, we pick in like 10th or, you know, 10th or nine again. That's what I think will happen. Cause like, and I get it. Like it's all tied in one. It dovetails perfectly together. I will hundred percent believe I was about to call him Abe, but I will hundred percent believe that Ted is telling them folks like, Hey, let's try to win. 100% believe Tommy wants to win here as well, because there's something to be said about doing the best you can with what the mediocre you're given. Like mm-hmm. until we get a top talent, um, you know, top, top star in here, no one really takes us seriously as having championship aspirations. It's how a guy like Grunfeld sticks around for all those years when you do nothing. No one expects you to do anything. They only, so, they only let him stay eight, nine years past him when they should have fired him. Yeah, but that's the reason why. Because he's like, you know, like Philadelphia now has championship aspirations. If they fell in three years, someone's getting traded. Heads will roll. you right. Like here yeah. in D.C., we don't have any aspirations. It's just, yeah, we may suck, but if we make the playoffs Ray, it's a win. Honestly, it's a win-win for Ted. Like, and that's the best deal ever. If you suck – you still were competitive enough to keep people coming into your arena because there were people there doing um, Valentine's Day as well. So the Wizards may be humdrum, but people still come in. But anyway, to let you get onto it, I want to hear what you hope, expect, and think. Um, so let, let's hear it. And I'm pretty sure you're going to disagree with me. So, like, let, let me hear it. So w- what I hope is that they play competitively. And okay. meaning – so I, I think that like tanking, for example, I, we, we talked about this in the Bullets Forever three-point play a little bit. My theory on tanking is that you do it um, as an organizational strategy. It's a front office strategy. I don't want, if I'm running a team, I don't want my coach trying to lose games. I don't want my players thinking that losing is something that we, we want to do or that we uh, will tolerate doing, right? Mm-hmm. So I want the players playing as hard as they possibly can and fighting every game to try to win, right? That's what I want. And I want the coaches to do that too. I want the coaches to take these players through the process of what it takes to win games. And then if they lose, fine, right? I'm okay with that because then you get the higher draft pick and all that kind of stuff. So if I'm Tommy Shepard, I want everybody fighting as hard as you can to win. And if you lose, okay. That's fine. Yeah. Then you've learned something about the quality of your players, right? Yeah. And you get a higher draft pick and you get more opportunities to bring in more talented players. But at least the guys who are going to stay, you now have a culture of com- competing. Yeah. And so I think the players should compete for their minutes. They should compete against the opponent. They should, in some ways, be com- competing with each other, again, for, for minutes and for opportunities and you know that kind of stuff. They should be playing for each other because that's what taking, you know, playing winning basketball takes, you know, you, you can't have five guys out there each trying to, you know, shooting every single time they touch the ball, right? Because then nobody ever passes. But so that's what I would hope to see um, okay. is, is compete. And the, the way that you tank, though, is you do things like have Al Neto as your starting point guard, right? Not because he's just not that good, right? And so, but he, he's- well, natural TV he is. He's competent enough. He and Ish Smith are competent enough that they can, they can, and they're veteran enough and they work hard enough and they compete hard enough that they can help instill that culture into the team, that competitive culture into the team. You got, I mean, say this, Howell Neto is not that good, but he's competitive. He's feisty. You know, Ish Smith is not that good, but he competes, right? And so 
with those guys playing point guard and competently enough that they can at least get the ball to the right place and that kind of stuff that you, you can get guys like Rui Hachimura and Avdia and you know some of these other guys, to, younger guys, to understand what it takes to compete and to be more competitive, to, to give more effort. And so that's what I would hope to see. Um, okay. What I expect to see, uh, I, I think they're going to lose. Even if Porzingis plays, I, I would expect that they're going to lose. So not that they're going to like lose out. They're not going to go like on a 24-game losing streak here. But what I would think, what I think we'll see is somewhere between like seven and maybe 11 wins. If they, like if Porzingis plays, they've got 24 games left. If he plays 19 of those games, right? I think they have a chance of winning, you know, maybe 11 of their 24, right? And if he plays 15 or fewer, it'll probably be closer to like seven, right? Because okay. they're realistically, they're just not that good. Um, yeah. And what I mean by that is that they don't, they have literally nobody left on the roster except Kuzma, maybe, who's like a qual, who's, who's a, a, even like a good NBA starter like a solid NBA starter. I mean, just like an average NBA starter. Rui Hachimura. No. Rui? Every, no. No. It really, really is, is a reserve. It, and that's, I mean, where he is currently, a few years from now, maybe he could be a starter, but he's not that good. Probably, a, he's not that good. It, I'm so just, I'm coming to life in a playoff game in a playoff atmosphere. But that's it. I'm like, like this, your, this is what you hope, to, what you think of. Let's not yeah, make this is what I think is going to happen. I, I so I think that they've got a bunch of guys who can be play roles on a good team. KCP and, and Kuzma were part of a championship team, right? Both of them came off the bench. Both of them were, were reserves. And uh, th th they're good professional players, right? They're just not the kind of guys you want to build around if you're going to have a highly competitive team. Like if Kuzma is your fourth best player next season, that's fine, right? And that's, to me, that was like the real, the thing I liked about trading for Porzingis is, yeah, he's Mr. Glass. You know, that was really funny and all that kind of stuff, right? He's, he's always hurt. Here's the thing. He's good. If you can some, if you get lucky, there are lots of guys who have periods of their career where they're injury prone and then they get healthy and they stay healthy. And maybe if he plays 72 games next season, right, just gets weirdly healthy. You, you you get a good player. So in trading that the, the, the crap that they, they, they were willing to give away to get him, that they traded a couple of bench guys, one of whom wasn't even playing, in exchange for somebody who can produce at an all-star level, right? So if Porzingis stays healthy and if Porzingis plays to the level that he's played before, now you've got two guys who are all-star level, assuming Beal bounces back. Right. Or at least have the capability of getting to all star level, which means now your range of, of outcomes is is broader. You know, the Wizards could be a lot better than than they've been in previous years, because now you've got two guys at the top of the pecking order and other people slot in into roles that are better for them. Or if Porzingis gets hurt, you're right back where you were and you're going to lose and you get a high draft pick and then you make other moves. Right. Oh, win win. Yeah. Ted, Ian, man, Ted. He's chilling. Yeah. Um, two points, two, two observations on, on what you said. Like, all right, one, 
I agree with you. Like, if you want to build any any type of winner, you need roles, right? Someone has to. You can't have too many cooks in the kitchen. All of those, you know, phrases that does justice to we need roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you like? What do you what do you, what do you think the roles are becoming with the current makeup? Because how I see it, I see Brad Lee Dog go win us the game. He has to go win, go bring us home role. Um, KCP is not KCP. Sorry, KP. It's going to be a correction. We got KP and KCP. Yeah. KP is like, go cook there. Okay, you the wingman, go cook. And then on the nights Brad don't have it, hey, I can do this too. Role mm-hmm. Kuzma, I'm nice as well. You got to contend with me. Role. And then I I see Rui as the X factor role. He gives you 15, you win him. He gives you 10. You know, you might win, but you needed a little bit more from him. And that's a tough – and then I see Denny as the – I'm going to connect everyone, the connect the role. Mm-hmm. I see Gafford as the the lob threat. I might bang on your head and send your shot to, mm-hmm. you know, the, the stands role. So that's six roles that we have. And uh, every championship team that I've seen in my, my short span of, like, the 29 years here has had those players. Yeah. yeah. And so we're building that. The thing with, I would say is, yes, and I agree with with all of that to a, to a point. Um, and so, they still need they. I think they still need another. They need another guard, and whether that's a playmaking guard or like a three D point guard kind of guy, like a, a Sadoransky type, maybe a Sadoransky plus, just a guy who will defend and who can take care of the ball, get the team into their sets, you know, run their offense. Um, and then knock down threes when he gets the kickouts from from Beal or from whoever, right? So what role will that be like? The what, what role would you say that is? That's probably the starting point guard. You know, okay, starting point guard, and I'm doing air quotes on that because not a star. It's, yeah. it's like point guard in the sense of like John Paxson or Steve Kerr was a point guard with the Bulls and Michael Jordan. Not to put anybody associated with the Wizards at the level of Michael Jordan, but just I'm talking in terms of role, right? Like the the point guard, B.J. Armstrong was the point guard, but they really weren't. You know, Pippen and, and Jordan were the ball handlers, and they were the initiators of the offense. And so, like, one of – actually, two of Michael Jordan's, like, iconic passes were one was to Paxson for a three and one was to Kerr for a three, right? And he also hit B.J. Armstrong for, for those kinds of things. And so that's what I'm saying is that kind of player where, you know, that player's role is really that he's a catch-and-shoot uh, guy and you're not looking to him necessarily to create offense like off the bounce that kind of stuff right except okay. maybe attacking the occasional closeout or or how Neto but if if Neto was like six four <laughs> or alternatively like maybe we, see again when I was saying I think we have all them roles like I think Denny like right now he has to play that glue and I'm with you I, I kind of like the heads where you go on like you you don't like the fact he doesn't – he can't go left. So a third of the court is, like, taken away from him. But well, I, I feel like – I don't like that he's, uh, you know, a, a 30% three-point shooter. I mean, I think for, for Abdia to to really unlock himself as, like, a full-time player, I mean, at a minimum, he's got to get to 35%. But okay. really, the closer he can get to 40%. Like, if he was a 40% shooter, he – I'd be like, start him and play him 38 minutes a night. That's tough. And just a quick, quick uh, response to that. So, like, I used to be one of those guys. Like, oh, he's 34. Get up to 40. Come on. You 
until I went to a gym um, in Houston, Texas. Um, not so not too far from you. I went to the gym first time where it's like actual NBA range from the three. Mm-hmm. Like, well, people like me, who I used to be, like people like me, we sit there at 34, 35, you can get it up to 40. That's such a tough shot. The distance and the art you have, it matters. Like yeah. taking a step in, shooting from, I don't know if that's the co- collegiate or high school three. Okay, yeah. we can get up to like 45 easily. Step back, you down to 38. Here's the other thing, though, is that he, that he could do to help, and that is that if he could shoot 35% and at a higher volume, if he would just let it rip, okay. then he becomes more of a threat because the, just the ability to threaten to, to, to take the shot is as important as being able to make it. Like a guy who shoots 35% on, say, you know, 10 three-point attempts per 100 possessions – Versus a guy who shoots forty percent on two, three point you know three point attempts. Taking the first out, yeah. The, yeah. the the guy who takes two, you don't need to defend him because he's he's. I mean, you close out on him, he's not going to take it, right? So, yeah. but you you got to get that shot up. Yeah, person get him up. Yeah, it's like I can go shoot that. Yeah, you can go eight for forty, but those eight hurt. Those eight hurt you. Those yeah. eight, if they're all threes, they hurt you. No, I digress. No, but well, you see what I'm saying is that, that that ability, I mean, eight for 40 would be a really lousy percentage. You could hurt your team with that. Oh, pickup. I'm, think, I'm talking in pickup terms, not NBA terms. Yeah, I'm talking NBA. So, I mean, if, if you go 15 for 40. Okay. 15 for 40, say nine of them were threes, you cooking. Yeah. yeah. You cooking. And if you get up 40 shots, man. <laughs> my idol, my you know, my idol got a 50 of them things his last game. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. had someone say it wasn't impressive because he missed a lot of shots. I was like, what? But anyway, back to that. I don't want to, I don't, I want to still, I want to take this thought to his logical conclusion. So you at least agree we have some of those roles already accounted for. Just we, we disagree mainly on Denny. And so you, we need to, for you, we need to bring in like a guard um, who fulfills that. No, 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 no. Let me, let me not be. So I think that they have guys in terms of, um, they have they have a lot they have a good bench on this team, right? So because like KCP to me, I've said this before. His ideal role is what bench player, a, a bench guy coming off the bench playing twenty four minutes a game at shooting yep. guard, small forward, right? We okay. have that. Check that. Check that right. off the list. So Kuzma to me is like perfect coming off the bench, playing some minutes at small forward, maybe some minutes at power forward and then playing some minutes, maybe even as a, as a small ball five, right? Because yeah, well, six man slash third best score. Yeah. So that. unfortunately Hachimura's best role is coming off the bench oh. for 15 to 20 minutes a game as oh. a power forward, maybe a wing depending on the matchup. Right. Oh. So that's to me like his ideal role. Denny's ideal role at, the, at their current skill levels, right? I mean, of course, if they go out and they work hard during the summer and they fix all the stuff that's wrong with their games, then they could do more. I'm just talking about what they are right now. And so with Avdia right now, what's his best role? Again, a reserve, small forward, power forward. He's a, I, I mean, so th- that's where you are with that, right? Is all of those guys are either Gafford, like Gafford's productive when he plays, um, what's his best role? He, he'd be great 
playing 18 minutes a game as a rim running center. Like, could you imagine him backing up Embiid? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Well, I'm imagining him backing up KP. Yeah, that could be nice too. I mean, and you get Thomas Bryant, right? Thomas Bryant. No, 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 I'm not here. And all that kind of stuff. He's he's not that good. Get him out of here. He's he's he'd be fine as your backup center, right? Coming in, playing a role to just come in and shoot. But he's not a starter, I don't think. Um, I, I mean, I love his offense, but yeah. like I said, he's not a starter. And it's just because that ACL, like that's the only thing. Like everyone who has who has suffered a knee injury, like. And I only learned this through one of my favorite players, Jason Kidd, talking about it after his micro fractures. It takes about two years for you to feel back to normal, which means you're two years behind on progressing. So in two years, he'll be back to who he was and who he was and who he like who he was prior to that injury. I'm with you like perfect role as a backup boy. We bring in a shooter. Yeah. And a roller, like, okay, you can't play defense, but usually your backup center is not that good offensively. So, right. I mean, yeah, you don't need to worry about that much about the opposing yeah. team backup five. So, that's just that. So, like, uh, I just wanted to explain that for the get him up out of here. It's just like Thomas, he's going to need two years, another year to get back to yeah. 2019. His, his contract is up, you know, yeah. at the end of the season. So, and then speaking for my own self, I mean, I had a really serious injury. Uh, you know, I dislocated my knee. And, oh, sorry to hear that, man. Uh, it was rough. And it was, I mean, for me, it was, I, I never got back to what I was before. But, um, you know, it was two It was two years before I felt comfortable, like, playing full out again. At least two years. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, well, I'm, I'm taking that, like, if you and I had, like, uh, the NBA's healthcare, like, Jerry Jones of the Cowboys made a good point once. It's like these athletes have the best health care in the world. They do. They do. So it's like um, if you and I had the best health care, like you would have been back. The fact that you were able to get back on a court in two years, you definitely would have been back to your normal self in two years. And then like progressing. But it's not too late, man. Like, let's get back out there. Come uh, next time you're in D.C. And to anyone who's listening, um, Edgewood Rec Center, they let us in there um, Saturdays from like nine to noon. Come through, man. Come through. I, I, you get back. You got to get back. You got to get back. Next time I'm in DC, I'll come out and at least, I'll, I'll at least shoot around. Uh, okay, yeah, no, be the, be the spot up shooter. Oh, I'm I'm nice with that, but like they let me run stuff. I use my mind. I use creativity at Fort. You just be the spot up shooter. I'm gonna tell you, hit the game winner. I, okay, I, I hope I won't offend you with this, but I'll set some screens for you. I'll do some ball screens. No, I don't need screens. I, I don't need screens. I'll pop. I don't need screens. I'll do some ball screens, then I'll pop. No, no screens for me. Screen put up. I, I like to get the If I play, I guarantee you that at some point during the game, you are going to be passing to me wide open under the rim, and everybody's going to wonder how the hell I got so open under the rim, considering okay. how slow I move. <laughs> hey, hey, awesome. Like, like, let's do it. Well, back to back to it, because like, yeah. So again, you're you're explaining the players we have, like. uh they are they fit the roles of a championship team and i'm not stating that this team could be a championship is a championship level um team nor has that talent but we are building something that i'm looking forward to and that's positive because we now have pieces that are representative teams who are good and you can make that argument about like every team in the nba but mm, i feel like out what we're building is no, I, we're just I, missing 
I think they've got some pieces, right? And I think what they need still, they, they need another starting guard, right? And they need definitely, they need a small forward, you know, and preferably somebody with just a little bit of size, some athleticism. It would be nice if they could have like a small forward who's somebody that might be in a dunk contest, you know, somebody with some athleticism who can also shoot. Yeah. That would be nice. And um, I think that they could also use a starting, like a, a, a starter at power forward. I think they could get they could get by with Kuzma if they've got um, you know like Beal playing at the peak of his powers and uh, with Porzingis playing sort of at the peak of his abilities. Um, I think that they'd be fine. But you know, I'd, I'd rather have another starter at power forward so that or another like big guy so that um, you know on those days when Porzingis can't go that you can you can yeah. like put Kuzma into the starting lineup as you're like essentially like your sixth starter right oh okay yeah but okay so what do you think of this though see this is where like in my head how it becomes how everything dovetails and we top four seed top five seed next year this is just a five like in positionless basketball right this is what I'm imagining um this is what I'm if I can't make, make an addendum to my hope portion, yeah. I hope Wes hears this and like does this because let's just see if it works. Like let's try it out. We'll never know. But on the floor as the starters and closing group, Bill, Rui, Denny, Kuzma, KP. That's your all, that's a switchable. Those are switchable. Like we could switch positions. Like we can, we can switch, we can score, we can have a matchup on each side and off the bench, KCP, Gafford. Yeah. So no, I, I, I hear you on, on that. And I can see that if, if Avdia can shoot better, right. If Avdia can, can become a knockdown shooter from three. Yes. And then yeah. I, the other thing is that Hachimura needs he needs well. He needs a lot to his game, other than the shooting. He he seems to have improved his shooting. We'll see if it holds up. Um, his shooting does look better. Looks better. The thing that he where he is is weakest now is his awareness, his defensive awareness. There's still way too many times where he's just like lost in the thing. And and then there was like the last game. You know, he scored twenty points. He was efficient offensively. Mm-hmm. He played a lot of minutes and he had one rebound. You know, that's not his role. His role, everybody's role is to rebound. Not, no, okay, yeah, he has to get in position. He has to start rebounding more. I get it, but okay, he needs on, to, that. but he needs to rebound. They, they can play making from him. They can do some defense from him. You know, especially like that the defensive awareness. He's pretty good defending his own man. Right? Yeah, he's but not a health defender or spot, and he doesn't. Hey, at the NBA level, you have to be a help defender. If you yeah, he doesn't see two steps ahead yet. The only way to play good defense in the NBA is as a team, and as you have to be there to help your teammates. You've got to be able to do stuff to stunt. You've got to be able to recognize somebody driving across your face and step up and do something about it. Or have a quarterback. And I believe someone on the team mentioned that probably Kuzma. We we don't we're lacking a defensive quarterback out there. KCP said that, yeah. KCP said it. Okay, KCP. All right, and well, we have the second year. Time is on that back line. Make Denny, make Denny the quarterback. Like, go ahead and turn it over to him. And this is what's great about this, right? Because if you take that Jason Kidd, 
um, line of reasoning as a rule and apply it to like all major injuries. This is who Denny would have been, you know, in a different system if we had trust in him, letting him play after he got over the rookie jitters because he still he injured his ankle and he was starting to grow before he injured his ankle. So he couldn't practice. He didn't he didn't have time to get better. This is just who he is as a player already. And I like it. So this summer and I, I don't think like a summer can change a player's game. It's usually like a year. You not you have to go at something for, you know, some time intensity to create it. So in a year from now, him hitting a better shot, like better looking three, finishing, he missed, he smoked layups a lot. Him finishing with dunks and, you know, let him be the quarterback now. Imagine his IQ defensively in two to three years. Yeah. I mean, I, I voted well, well, I I small forward on your poll. So I'm trying to defend my position as him as like a Draymond type. Yeah. Um, I don't know about a Draymond type. I think he can be, he can be good. He's just, I think he, so one, I think he could have come back. He could have spent some time. I don't think the ankle injury is an excuse for him not to have improved his shot. Um, there are lots of guys who have improved their shooting while out with an injury. So I think. Ankle though? What? Ankle's different. How do you bend the jump? He could have. He could have worked on the mechanics. He could have worked. There's a lot of things to work on shooting, how you hold the ball. He could have worked on the dip. You know, he, there's a lot of stuff he could have worked on in terms Fair of shooting to really come back a better shooter. That said, the summer is enough time. If he, if he does one of those like Gilbert Arenas kinds of summers where it's like a thousand makes a day, you know, he'll come back a better shooter. That's for sure. You know, so I, I don't think it's, he's a lost cause or anything like that. I don't think he's like, I'm not saying he's, permanently a backup I, again what i was talking about earlier is what he is right now yeah, yeah. He, i mean sure if he comes back a 38 percent free three three point shooter he's going to be a valuable player you know right now his defense is, has some value period but if he can knock like i said if he's a 38 percent three point shooter he's playing 38 minutes a game and he's you know 36 minutes a game he's a starting small forward and you're, you're happy with that, whatever else he does, right? I mean, I don't care if he, you know, he can be the connector, he can do that kind of stuff and knock down open threes. That's a good player. That's a great, yeah, that's a great player. Yeah. Great player. So, like, um, again, like, so, but that that's like the optimism, like the optimism, um, well, optimistic outlook, but I, I again that's that's just me. I like basketball. I love it. I'm hoping, and this is all to deal with the hope category, which is irrational. Like hope isn't based on like facts, data, analysis. It's just what you hope to happen. Um, like I, I'm hoping that happens, and I agree with you. Like, let's go get a guard, like a guard who no ego, like just wants to pass, get assist. I, I know like um Oz, he he put up. Uh, like who do we want to see running a point guard he threw up some great ideas that that were coming out some of them I like but I don't know if we can afford but I'm thinking you know Rubio may leave but Rondo like a Rondo I don't know is it connect not nah, to to it's like but we been much good in several years except for that one stretch in the bubble Cleveland afloat man He's keeping Cleveland afloat. Like, uh, I thought they would be the ones who would slip down, like, out of the, the top. Because, let's face it, Brooklyn's getting in the playoffs. They 
they have weapons now. They they have a complete team. You don't want to face them like nine, ten, or have to beat them to get in. It's like you're not getting it. So we, we could probably beat Boston. Bring Boston down. Um oh Charlotte, maybe someone else. I don't know. Like, but so here's the thing. I'd be willing to be a little flexible on guard, and that is because I think Beal can he could certainly handle the ball well enough to bring the ball up the court and start the offense, right? And so I don't think you necessarily need like a point guard like Rubio. I mean, he's he nice. He, he just can't shoot, right? He's still going to turn he, it over. He's a good player, right? I mean, Rubio's a good player. He's a good guy to have around. I mean, Kobe Altman, if you haven't listened to it, he he went on the Woj pod and he had a lot of good things to say about Rubio and just what he meant to the team in terms of the time that he spent with Darius Garland and his just competitiveness and how that um, really helped the team get off to a good start this season before he blew me out. So, I mean, if they signed Rubio for the right price, sure. I mean, that'd, that'd be fine. Um, but that said, I mean, I can see like, again, that sort of Paxton type, uh, you know, where you have somebody who's really his role is to shoot threes, right? And to, to otherwise pretty much stay out of the way, uh, maybe set some screens. I mean, theoretically, Kispert could maybe be that guy if he like improves his ball handling, just gets a lot better overall, becomes much more of a knockdown shooter because that's, you know, something that he hasn't really done yet consistently yeah. either. I could even see, like, again, if he improves his shooting, a, a Beal and Avdia backcourt where, you know, Let's put it this way: the Wizards have done crazier things. They started Jared Jeffries next to as a guard next to uh, Gilbert Arenas, right? I remember Jared? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared had no offensive game. Right? No, he score. Yeah, yeah. So I can see like the ideal Avdia, um, you know, the ideal set of skills, just the ideal like of where he can be. I could see him being a starting guard with a guy like Beal, who's going to shoot a lot and who's going to you know suck in all that defensive attention. And then you're leaving to, to, to Avdia the, the, those open catch and shoot threes and some occasional dribble drive, um, you know, attack the attack, the closeout kind of things or the transition. And he's, he's shown he's, he's pretty decent playmaker in transition. So, um, you know, so I, I mean, I, I can see where things could go, but these guys have to do it. They have to put in the work and get there because they're not at that okay. level now. That's okay, right. or, or like again, this may be wild. And we'll probably have to talk about this because we we broached the subject uh, a couple of weeks back, maybe a few podcasts back as well, um, about how at least I felt Wes wasn't doing a good job. Now we know we have more insight. There were locker room issues that you know divided the team and that chasm was too wide for us to come back together in jail. So we get it. Like maybe you give him a mulligan, but I, I still believe we need an innovative coach. I, 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 it's, it's easy to say, let's go out and get the players. It's hard to get the players, but I feel like it should be um, way more feasible for us to have an offense that allows, you know, the type of roster we have to thrive. Like, I, I think that's the role of a coach, like, primarily. And I'm not saying Wes isn't, isn't that, but we, we need offensive coordinator. Yeah. We need, we need, like, an innovative mind at the offensive end. Like, 
That's what we do. We need a Sean McVay. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, maybe West will do that. I mean, I don't think it. I don't think it's a, a point in his favor that there were like locker room issues because every team, every single team in the league has the same issues. You know, every single team has guys who want bigger roles. They want more minutes. They want more touches. They want more opportunities because every single guy in the league one, virtually all of them really believe that they are the best player and, or that they could be the best player if they would just get a few more opportunities and the effing coach won't, won't give it to them, right? He's holding them back. There's lots of guys who believe that. And so every team has locker room issues. And the fact that in the Wizards, that, that, that it became enough of an issue that they couldn't function as a team is, doesn't, doesn't say anything good about Unseld and his leadership abilities. That said, he's first-year head coach. And every, you know, he's a rookie head coach, and so he's got to learn how to run a team. And so this is his rookie year. If he comes back next year and they have similar problems, you know, I'm just saying, I'm not saying give him a mulligan. I'm just saying that the same way we let these, you know, younger players develop, we got to see what they're going to do. We got to see what they're going to come back improved with. You know, we need to see that improvement from the coach because the coach, I would say, I, I don't think he's done a good job. I don't think he's been a big upgrade over the previous guy and the previous guy was supposed to be the worst coach on the planet man i hear you but <laughs> coaches they're held to a different standard like it's fine to to admit that like it i don't like how do you put this players are precocious by the name, by the meaning of it they're young like 19 year olds who are the best basketball players in the world Coaches, we don't see any 19-year-old coaches. Like, they have tried their skills. They've, they've honed their skills elsewhere. It's like Wes is, I don't know his age, but he's not in his 20s, likely. He's late 40s. He's almost okay, like 40s. So 46, 47. Like he's a biblical – like, he's tilled the earth, you know? Like, he's, he's plied his trade. Mm-hmm. It's just – do you got it? Like, do you do you have it or do you do you not have it? And the thing he has is defense. Like, he's great at it, right? So, what he needs is offense. And we, now we have players, but we had talented players who can score. It's just like to help them go learn from offensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm not sure. coordinator. That, that that part about the players being able to score, not really. You know, they they, they don't have. See, they don't need his offense. Is, you need guys who can score efficiently. It's not just like Kuzma folks have gotten really excited about his scoring, but it's inefficient, right? He's, he's way below, well below average in efficiency because, you know, he, but you give him enough chances and yeah, sure. He'll score, but you, you need guys who can score efficiently. Otherwise you're going to lose. Cal Corbin can score efficiently. I mean, he doesn't scare me on the court. Kuzma, let him do his thing. You know, let him do his thing. I mean, I get it, but that's my bias. Like, I try not to insert bias in here. I'm, I'm. Your bias is is why you're here. So. Uh, I'm not biased. This means this objective. On God, on God, I'm being objective. I'm viewing it from. It it depends on what you need, though. And so, like Kuzma, if he could improve, just so I mean, just 
being a little bit below average, like in efficiency, does not necessarily mean that the player is not useful, right? Because being able to do a lot of things offensively is valuable. It's just that where, where Kuzma is, we're talking about, yeah, more than seven points per 100 possessions below league average um, in terms of efficiency. So his scoring is not as valuable as it could be if it's, say, even average. If but coaches, coaches make you more efficient. They design plays to put you in spots that, okay, if my play work out the way it's supposed to, to, to then you have, you know, an easy floater. All it is is up for you to make it. Well, when you watch our offense, our shit is disgusting. Yeah, like that offense no, no, no. I think that they bad, man. Even without them winning, sorry, go ahead. Play. I said I think they're putting Kuzma in position to, to make plays. No, we're giving, we're putting the ball in his hand. Mm. Now he's making plays, but we're we're putting the ball in his hand, like. He's making plays like he's collapsing defenses and kicking it out, getting assists, grabbing rebounds. But um, someone tweeted the account. They've watched him for years. He tires out. He needs about a seven to eight minute um, interval interval of rest between the third and fourth or something like that. Because once he gets tired, he flames out. So, again, another reason, if that's true, that's on the coach. Like, you don't see this guy's gas. Let me let me get him a quick break. So that's – I don't know, man. I am i don't know. I'm just – I want I want the guy to do well. It's Black History Month. I want, I want, like, all again, all blacks in places where, you know, you're not – it's not even like a – minority is a horrible word. Like, no one feels lesser. It's just like it's more of X such people than me. Therefore, right. it's like, okay, I don't know if they listen to the same shit. You can't really connect as much. At least you feel that way until you try and um, that's what it feels like. I want every coach in those positions to do well, right? Like, because it's like, all right, you can do it. So I want them to do it. But the offense stinks. And I don't care what anyone says. No one wants to make it to the NBA to play defense. <laughs> what about Lou Dort? I think no, bro, he's nice, man. Like, Lou Dort, oh, my God. I, like, I, I hope he comes. Whatever it takes. Shepard pulls Lou Dort. Give him a 10 year. Give him the John. Um, the John is it John Gruden? Yeah, give him that deal. Yeah, give him he got fired, but the 10 year 100 milli. Give him one of those, man. Like, we get Lou Dort. We add Lou Dort to this. Come on, come on. But no, nah, anyway, like, no, nah, none of them wants to do it. So, I get it. You have to have a system, but you have to allow players to score. Two reasons why you are sorry, I know it's a kid show, but I only can make the point by using this expletive. You are fucking with people's money. Yeah, yeah, like. You are fucking with people. Hence why Brad hated them. They cost them money. He got it. Like, he ended up, you know, got it. But you are fucking with these people's money. So, cool. Tell me your vision. Tell me if I'm in your plans. How you Like, Aaron Holiday, if he was one of the malcontents. You are. This is my last year. You are fucking with my money. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. And so, yeah, I... You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I hope so. I don't know. I guess I don't know how that's a long-winded way to end up where we begin. This is all what we hope, expect, and think will happen um, with the Wizards. Yeah. Well, so just to, to, to summarize and then we'll, we'll wrap up, uh, you know, my feeling is, like I said, they've got maybe 11, 
11 wins tops left on this on the on this on the schedule I, I think there'll be more like seven or eight wins when when it's all said and done and so my guess is they won't make play in and they'll be in the lottery they'll probably end up picking eighth or ninth because they always do yeah okay to summarize i think uh i think they make the play in as the 10th seat i mean it's like why they sent them down to orlando a few years ago like they know we can do a late run uh, make the play, make the playoffs as a seed. Likely face Charlotte, beat them. Oh, whoever's ahead of us, we're holding off the Knicks. They're, thank God, they blew that twenty-eight point lead. So we're not, we're not, we're still a horrible lead. They made jokes about Luke Kennard killing us last night, but the jokes are on the Knicks now. Let the New Yorkers have it. But anyway, I, I think as the eighth seed, that nine-eight game. Um, that's where we falter. But if we win, I'm cool with that. We get to play our number one seed. We get to grow for next year. Uh, so that's what I hope will happen. But likewise, I saw the wins against Brooklyn. They had no one. And I saw the two losses against uh, – well, the, the two losses they've had, one being against Sacramento and Indiana, and we were out coached. Because we could have won both, in my opinion. So uh, I don't know about Indiana because Indiana's got two, uh, you know, all-time greats on the roster and Tyrese Halbert. Oh, your man, Terry Taylor. And Terry Taylor, yeah. All that role player. Terry Taylor is my guy. You know, he jumped off the, the screen as like, uh, you know, as a dominating the G League. I was like, I know he's 6'5". I know he's a 6'5", like power forward. And he's so productive. Give him a shot. Just – I, I think he can probably play in the NBA if you give him a shot. And so Indiana only ran out of bodies and they, they gave him a shot. And every time he gets on the floor, he plays great. You know, he, he, he's really, really productive. And so, and they have no idea what to do with him, really. Um, you know, they started him at center one game. They started him at power forward. They played him some at small forward and shooting guard. And it's like, he's a baller. He's, he just, he plays. I'm going to end on this note. Some people can say that you're the, uh, you may be a, a spy. You're working for the Pacers. You the reason why Sabonis didn't come here? That's uh, unproven. Okay. <laughs> this is America, man. There's no there's, rights about proving. There's, there's no evidence to support this conspiracy. Okay. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I know you and the Matt, like, love that Terry Taylor dude. And he cooked us. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, it's yeah. funny because I was, you know, during that game, I was a little kind of a little disappointed at first because I was like, he's not doing anything. I wanted to see him cook. And then he scored 18 points in the second half on the Wizards. I mean, if he was with the Wizards, he he, he would probably be the, a starter for them. So, yeah. I, I like him. I don't know if he can stick and, you know, whether he can actually be a good NBA player or not. You know, it's he's still only 250 or so minutes into his career. But, you know, I, I'm very entertained by him. You know, it's like he's the kind of guy why I love the game. I mean, years ago, the Wizards signed this guy named Terrell Braggs um, to a couple 10-day contracts. He wasn't much good. He was a lifer, you know, and he played. Um, I spent a lot of time talking with him. And he had played at that point 17 teams in seven seasons in 11 different countries. And he, you know, he, he had signed in the, the D league at the time because he, he was hoping to get another shot in the NBA. 
Um, and he made more off of his two 10-day contracts than he had made in the previous two years combined, playing professionally overseas, playing in the, in the D League at the time, you know, G League salaries. That, that's just the way the money was. And um, I ended up writing a story about him because they, they signed him and they didn't play him. And then they finally gave him minutes against the Pacers, as a matter of fact. And he, he didn't really do much. He just committed like some fouls, uh, you know, helped him down the stretch of a game that they actually managed to win. And um, I wrote a piece about him. It's probably on the internet somewhere. It was, it was a pretty good piece. Great headline. I called it Opus and Leagues Minor. And, um, you know, not too many so minutes. that's the kind of guy I love. I love those guys who are at the end of the bench who are fighting and struggling to get, you know, to make it in the league and stick in the league. And, um, so I like a guy like Terry Taylor, 6'5", power forward center. Hey, bring like it. The gritty, the gritty guys. Okay, I respect that. I like the stars, man. I want to see the best. I like that too, but I like but that's that's Terry Taylor. He's a star. He's a star. No, he's a star. He cooked everyone in the G League. He told them he belonged there.